0: Welcome to Liquid Church Audio.
1: The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered at Liquid by Pastor Tim Lucas. Liquidchurch.com, living water for a thirsty generation. Now, we're live on the web.
0: You can probably tell from the title on the slide tonight, Get in the Game, what tonight is all about, just to be totally upfront with you um, about my goal tonight. It's to get every single adult and teenager who is here ...and who appreciates this church, not just our members of this church... ...but who considers liquid their spiritual home to become part of a strategic service team. Uh, Last week I talked a bit about our core value of strategic service... ...which we define simply as investing your heart and your hands in the places of greatest demand. Specifically on Sundays as we launch out in Morristown in just, catch this, five Sundays from now. Is that Yeah, made my heart skip a beat a little bit. This is the fifth Sunday, meaning next week, Tara, four left in this building. Uh, Yes, I know, I know. You're like, what? (laughs) Our Easter launch date is April 8th. And as I told you, we estimate that we're going to need to triple the amount of people serving at Liquid on any given Sunday. Do you remember that movie, Any Given Sunday? You know, it was a football movie. But to stick with that metaphor, if you've been sitting on the sidelines for some time, just kind of, you know, watching from the bleachers tonight, I want to both challenge and invite you to come down and get in the game. Because we need you. We need your strengths and your gifts... ...if we're going to accomplish all that God has for us to accomplish... ...as His church on Easter and through the spring season. And that's particularly important for this uh, service... ...because we'll be adding a brand new 10.30 a.m. service on Easter... ...and we need many of you who are here tonight at this service... ...to consider serving at that one. To help create the environment for a brand new congregation... ...and families and kids ministry in the morning... ...so that we can reach more people... ...with the message of Jesus Christ. So that's my goal. I just want to be straight up with you. If you're not currently part of a strategic service team that helps out on Sundays... ...I want to paint a compelling picture for you tonight... ...so that by the end of your time, our time together... ...you're going to say, I-, I can't believe I've waited so long... ...to engage my gifts and my talents in the life of this church. I had no idea they were so needed. No idea I'd be so blessed by serving. Now here's the deal. If you're with us tonight, and I met some of you... ...and it's your first time. This is your first time ever here. Maybe, maybe in fact, you're not a religious person. It's, it's, your, it's like your first time in church... Or you're returning, you know, after some time away. This is a great night for you to be here for a couple of reasons. Number one, the message tonight isn't really to you, so there won't be any guilt. Guilt Guilt-free church. This might be a first thing for you, okay? Um, You know, go to church and not feel guilty. That's a good thing. But number two, you're about to find out what goes on behind the scenes at this church. And what makes it so great ...what the hype is all about, and why it's so great coming here. This is kind of an insider's look into our kitchen, you know. Like, I was going to a restaurant, Colleen and I went to eat the other night... ...and, like, I went to the back bathroom. But behind this little curtain, I saw, like, what's going on in the kitchen. And totally spoiled it for me, by the way. <laughs> it wasn't as sanitary as the food looked. Anyway, uh, here, hopefully, you're going to see how we cook up what goes on here on Sunday nights. Because Liquid is about much more than a person... ...or a message or a certain style of music. It is about a whole swath of people creating environments... That are welcoming and safe places for people to take a step back to God, many for the first time. I often tell people, I would go to church here no matter what. Even if I didn't work here, this would be my spiritual home. I would want my family here because of the kind of people who serve and lead in this place. And, and the kind of care and sacrifice that they make to allow God's spirit to have freedom to change lives. So I'm the number one fan of Liquid. You should know that, not just because I'm a lead pastor. But if you're new, you're going to find out why we're going. ...and why we have more and more raving fans out there. Now, here's the deal. I'm going to talk right now about 20% of you. If you're not currently serving on Sunday or during the week at our church... ...you're not on a strategic service team. You're sitting on the sidelines likely for one of three reasons. One, you didn't know that you were needed. (laughs) Because some of you are like, well, the show looks like everything goes on real great. (laughs) Uh, In short, you are. (laughs) As I previously mentioned, we typically average about 40 people serving... ...on any given Sunday. That's about maybe, I don't know, not even quite 10% of the people here. It's really closer to, you know, about 7 or 8%. You saw them when you walked in. Hopefully you were greeted with a smile. Did you get a smile when you walked in? You got a name tag, maybe dropped off your kids with, like, people who look trustworthy. Hopefully they are. Uh, You came up here. You found a seat. You enjoyed music. Great. You were touched by a lot of people. But here's the deal. When we expand on Easter Sunday to three full services, we may very well grow... By 30%. We may move from a church of 5 to 600 people to a church of 900 to 1,000 people in just a few months. We are expecting God to move. We're, We're just trying to follow his momentum of growth. And so to put it plainly, we need you. We need more leaders. We need more servants. People willing to put their heart and their hands in the place of greatest demand. So if you've looked around and said, well, they look like they're doing just fine. I have got everything under control. Not so much. <laughs> a holy tornado is about to touch down in Morristown. And we need all hands on deck, and that includes yours. Now, the second reason you may not be currently serving or you're reluctant to join a volunteer team on Sundays is simple. You are an American. <laughs> and by that, I mean, as an American, Your innate goal, except for Bancroft, British. He's like, no, I'm an expatriate. Uh, (laughs) As Americans, your goal, it's in your DNA, is to be autonomous, right? I mean, that's why many of you are working. Because your goal as an American man or or woman is to work hard so that nobody has to tell you what to do or where to be. And you have absolutely total control of your money, of your time. So every morning you can wake up and say, well, Tim, what would you like to do today? I mean, isn't that the goal, right? That's why so many people bust their butt every day. They work hard, they cash out, retire early, so that I don't ever have to answer to anybody and can do whatever I want with my money, my time, my resources. Now, for a lot of people, that is the unquestioned American dream. Complete autonomy. So that we can call the shots and the schedule and come and go as we please and have as few hooks and commitments and responsibilities in our lives that could potentially slow us down. That's just part of our DNA as Americans. I'm not even going to make you feel guilty about it. Autonomy is in the water. We're individuals. So when it comes to serving or signing up for a volunteer team, you're like, "Um, that's nice, Tim, but that's like the opposite of my goal. (laughs) Um, That's just assuming one more responsibility, more people getting their hooks in my time. And I'm already overbooked, and I'm trying to get people's hooks out of me at this point in my life. I don't want anyone depending on me on Sundays. No responsibilities. I like to wake up on weekends and actually decide whether or not I'm going to go to church. And if I join one of these silly teams you're talking about, I'm going to have people looking to me. They're going to be depending on me. I don't want that. I want freedom. I want autonomy. The freedom to you know, be able to do what I choose on Sundays. Get here when I want no expectations. And you know what? I completely understand. I totally do. No guilt. No, I have no condemnation for you. I have felt that way. Sometimes I still feel that way on Sundays. It's just not part of our, our, our it's a natural part of our point of view as Americans. So that may be a reason as well. The third reason that perhaps you're reluctant to serve and actually get in the game is that oftentimes those of us who are Christians, there are those of you who put your faith in Christ, is that many times you've forgotten that part of the essence of being a Christ follower is to serve alongside others. Not just to serve, but to actually invest your time and your talents, your one-of-a-kind gifts, in tandem with other believers to accomplish something together that not one of us could do on our own. That is literally part of God's will for your life as a follower of Christ. In fact, here's the deal. If you came up to me after the service tonight, some people will often do this at the door, like, what's God's will for my life? Or they'll write me an email, as many people do, and, you know, I always see that subject line, you know, God's will, question uh, mark. I typically don't have a lot of, people are disappointed, because I don't have a lot of specific answers for many of those details. Like, who should you marry? I, I'm not sure what should you do for a career, Uh, You know, should you move to Detroit? I I don't know. It's it's, it's colder. Uh, You know, whether or not you should go to grad school or missions trip. I mean, even heartfelt spiritual questions. I don't have a lot of definites on many of those aspects of God's will. But one definite I do have. I can tell you with complete 100% confidence that one thing absolutely that God wills for your life is to invest your gifts And your talents and your abilities in tandem with other believers. And and when you unite with those of other believers to accomplish together what none of us can actually accomplish on our own. Because each of us as believers has been called. Dare I say, I'm going to use the word commissioned together. None of us are lone rangers. We say that all the time. No lone ranger Christians. It's it's an anomaly. You can't have it. It's an oxymoron. We have been co- missioned by Jesus, to be on mission together with Jesus to make him famous to people who do not yet know him personally. It's not something you can do by yourself. And in this respect, God is not an American. (laughs) Your heavenly Father does not actually view you as autonomous or your freedom as part of his goal, your leisure time. He views you as part of a body, and he defines your success not in terms of autonomy and flexibility and leisure, but in terms of your involvement in tandem with a local group of believers that we call his church. All right. Now here's the deal. This is not about guilt. This is a guilt-free invitation. In fact, if you're sitting there already thinking, you know what, Tim, I've heard this, and I know you could use me, but I'm just not going to sign up. I, I, I do value my freedom and autonomy too much. I'm, in fact, still finding my place here. And I want to wake up on Sundays and have the flexibility to come or stay home, and when I come, just to, just to sit enjoy the music, maybe take some notes, talk to my friends and go home or out to eat. Like I said, I understand. And here's the good news. That's totally going to be totally okay. Here's the good news. The kingdom of God will go on without you. I'm serious. The kingdom of God will go on without you. The world is not going to come to an end. Our church will actually survive. We are going to launch on Easter in Morristown anyway. You, now hear this right, hear this right. I wrote this down and I was like, mm, you could hear this really wrong. You're just not that important. <laughs> but now, hear this. We need you. God is bigger than any one of us, bigger than me, bigger than this church, and his kingdom will go on, and he will get his glory, and he will accomplish his mission. You will not be the deal breaker by choosing to remain on the sidelines. That's the good news, but here's the deal the problem isn't that we won't be okay. The problem is that you won't be okay. As you'll see in a few minutes, you were designed by God at creation to serve in community with other men, other women, who were similarly called, differently gifted, and that one of the main ways that God actually matures and grows you up as his child is to have you serve with others. And you're going to miss out on that. It is totally your choice, but it's a principle of spiritual growth you're going to be missing out on. If you and I as Americans leverage our time and ability simply to be free in autonomy on our own sake, richer in terms of flexibility, you'll be impoverished in terms of significance in your life and depth in your spiritual growth. Because there is something deep that happens when we sync up our lives together with other Christians and we use our gifts in tandem to do something that not one of us, not me, could accomplish on our own, no matter how gifted or talented we are. That is an eternal truth of spiritual growth. And I'm not making it up. It comes right out of scripture. In fact, if you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Let me invite you to do that. We'll get the lights up. And if you could pass the Bibles down there on the end of the rows. So that everybody gets one. You'll see what I'm talking about. The book of Ephesians. Right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Acts, Romans. All of a sudden you start hitting these letters. And this is a letter by the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus. This is actually a letter... ...that Paul wrote to some brand new Christians. And the Apostle Paul wrote it in large part... ...to describe the kind of big picture... ...of what God wants for your life... ...and to describe how that's worked out... ...in the context of local church community. So Ephesians 4, we're just going to start at verse 4. This is kind of Paul's introductory comment... ...to these brand new Christians, this new church... ...to set the context for the larger theme... ...of how the church works. Now you can read this along with me. Again, we'll just look at... uh, The first few verses here, verses 4 through 6, Paul writes this. And you'll see it says, unity in the body of Christ. It says, verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. What's his point? Okay, he's just starting out this letter here. What's his point? Paul's like, to the Ephesians, he's like, "I'm, I'm getting ready to tell you something really big. Big deal. Huge fundamental truth of reality. Of your existence as a follower of Jesus. And it's this. There is a big one. And you are part of the big one. You remember Sanford and Son? Oh, this is the big one. You remember that one? I wore my Big One t-shirt for you tonight... ...to kind of just underscore this theme for all you visual learners out there. But this is the point. In God's eyes, you are not an individual. You are part of the, capital B-O, Big One... If you want to write in your Bible, you go ahead and circle, I did it in mine, all those instances of one. One body, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, you get it? One. That even though the person in the seat is next to you is different than you, right? And the song goes red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Even though you're different races... And even though you're different nationalities and different backgrounds and different genders, there is a oneness that pervades the people gathered in this room. Because when you became a Christian, you became part of one body. That's God's metaphor. You became a finger, a toe, a nose, an eye, an ear, a mouth. And Although all, we all have different functions and abilities. They are all part of this singular organism called the body of Christ. What we call in conventional terms, the church. And so there's a oneness that connects all of us in this room. Whether, we, whether you believe it or not, and whether you even act like it's true or not. Now, as an American, we don't love that, do we? I mean, we say, I want to be my own person. <laughs> I want to do my own thing. I want to be an individual, do something unique. And God says, I understand, we're going to get to that. We are going to get to that, because there is... Uni- <laughs> oneness does not equal sameness. But first things first. You've got to understand, before you're an American... You are my child, and you are a follower of my son, Jesus. And the way I view you, Tim, is that you're part of my body. And you're connected to every other person in this room who names the name of Jesus Christ. So that's the context that Paul sets out here at the beginning, that each one of us is part of the big one. But, now look at verse 7. Watch, because here's the contrast. Paul's about to move from big to individual. But... To each one of us, let's all read this word together, grace has been given as Christ apportioned. Now this little word grace, I want you to go ahead and circle it in your Bible because it's not what you think it means. That word grace doesn't refer to the prayers that you say before meals. Let's say grace. It also isn't referring to God's grace or the loving kindness that God extends towards people who don't deserve it. This is not the grace that's necessary to become a Christian. The love of God, the forgiveness. Rather, this little word grace means, literally, a divine enablement. I've got that written here in my Bible, literally across the word grace. A divine enablement. In other words, to each and every Christian, God has given you a unique, specific thing that you do really well. (laughs) I mean, you can't do everything, but there's a specific area of strength in which you like to shine, which comes naturally to you. And it's like a second nature to you. It's a divine enablement. I mean, you see this in families. You see people with unique gifts at your work, probably, right? Some people have, you know, fantastic organizational skills. Some people are really good at communicating. Others are great encouragers, and they serve really well. Some folks have a really high EQ, like my wife. She's a high EQ, emotional intelligence. They just relate to others naturally and with sensitivity. Each of us has different specialties and abilities and things that are a strength and that we're naturally good at from birth. And that's what a divine enablement is. I see this at my work all the time. I saw it in the liquid office this week. Some of you know, let's say, Laura Gregory. Laura, wave your your forms there, okay? Laura's got the forms. Laura, give Laura a hand. Our, Our director of communications. Now, here's the deal. She's the gal who produced this bulletin that you're holding in your hands. And this, you are holding the product of someone who dreams in Excel. <laughs> True, Laura? <laughs> she admitted this to us. <laughs> she is one of the most organized individuals I have ever met. I mean, she has a lot of talents. No, don't get me wrong. But as we've gotten to know her and see her use her organizational skills around our office, we've gotten to wondering what her sock drawer looks like at home. <laughs> she literally told us, she goes, I go, are you okay with all these spreadsheets? She goes, I like dreaming in Excel. It's Like, Wow! Do you ever wonder how we follow up with 50 first-time visitors a week? Or when you sign up for something, how we're prompted, like, reply and make sure you get what you need? That's because of Laura's divine enablement. The moment there's a logistical need or an administrative challenge that needs organization, she is on, I don't know how she does it, she just totally shuts me down, I don't even know where to begin. But God wired her to Dream and Excel, and I thank him for that. Even if sometimes it makes probably life more challenging for you, Bob, her husband. (laughs) Why do I thank God? Because you are looking at one of the most disorganized persons in the known universe. Look at my wife. She's like, amen. Raise a hand. I lose my car keys once a week, right? I'm on my third cell phone. (laughs) Driving, we drove over here to church. We had to pick something up yesterday. Driving on the way to church, I literally missed our exit. Right right past it. Why? My wife goes, how... She goes, you know, she's very kind. She's very generous. She's like, you know how are you so brilliant um, you know, at some things? Um, you, know, you're, you, know, you have a sharp mind, you know, a good communicator, but you are like, so clueless when it comes to the most basic tasks. And, I, and I'm just like, you know, as we're driving like, you know, two, now two miles past the exit, I'm like, I'm thinking of what to say when we get to the church. You know? I, I am not divinely enabled to process logistical information well. It is a weakness of mine. Now here's the deal. Does that make Laura better than me? Or, does that make me better than Laura? No, Laura, I hope I'm not embarrassing you here. Laura does not love to get up and talk. <laughs> I think she does actually a fine job of it. But when I ask if she'll simply communicate, you know, a oh, great job in the announcements. Hey, you want to just, you know, give those announcements? And you just see all the blood drain. You know, Bob told me she was hyperventilating that one week all through the service at the prospect of getting up in front and telling you, you know, about the newcomer's gift at the end of the service. <laughs> That's not her natural gift or her divine enablement. But to each one of us... Grace or a unique, one-of-a-kind divine enablement has been given as Christ apportioned it. Get it? Everyone in this room who has put their faith in Jesus, each of you has a divine enablement. Not the same thing, not in the same amount. The text actually says like Christ apportioned it, like almost measured it. Meaning he gave some things to some in different amounts to others, but there are some environments in which you just shine and you naturally fit and you get your game on. And that's because God made you that way. He wired you that way. He graced or gifted you that way. There are certain things that stress you out or overwhelm you. You know. You're all thumbs. But there are some environments where you are intuitive. You like know what needs to be done. You naturally take charge. It's like a hand in a glove, and you're brilliant at it. And the question is, why? Why did God make you so naturally good at some things and not so great at others? Why did he divinely enable you in this way? Well, if you were to look at your life from an American perspective, you might say, well, I think that's pretty obvious. God gifted and enabled me this way... ...so I could earn a living... (laughs) ...to make money... ...to be successful in life. There is a good reason I'm actually pretty good at sales. (laughs) I can sell anybody, Tim. I can walk into any room, any company... ...with any group of people, total strangers... ...and make them totally naturally at ease... ...make them comfortable, feel valued... ...and I can sell anything. And that's why I am where I am today. I've been successful at that. Thank God for my gift... Or, I'm good with numbers, you know, I'm an accountant, I dream in Excel, I identify with Laura. Place for everything, everything in its place. Or you're a leader, you intuitively like, know how to cast vision, build a team, move the ball down the field, and you're compensated, in, in real life, for that natural ability that you've developed in the workplace. That might be one reason you think you've been divinely enabled as you have. But think again. Why has God gifted you this way? The answer is not to make a lot of money. <laughs> Though, God will enable many of you to use your gifts and talents that he endowed you with to be successful and to make a living. Thank you, God. But that's not the primary reason. Back to Scripture. The context, according to God's word, is that within God's body, there is a oneness. And within that oneness, there is uniqueness and different skill sets and natural talents that we all have. And the reason... God gifted you and gifted me as he has is for the purpose of actually bringing all those gifts together strategically in tandem so that together we can accomplish something that not one of us could do effectively on our own. Capture that. Do you believe that? Look at Paul's logic here. You know what? Let's do this. We're going to skip verses 8 through 10 because the Apostle Paul gives a little um, sidebar here to his Jewish readers. He, like, links these giving of gifts. you see that right here real quick to Psalm 68? He says, Jesus is the giver of these gifts. That's a point he's making. He's trying to link it to the Old Testament. But that's not our main concern tonight. So just look quickly down at verse 11 where he picks up on his main argument. Paul continues here in verse 11 on the subject of God's divine able. He says, it was he, that's Christ, that's Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Okay, so he makes this like kind of little list. He's like trying to give some examples. Apostles, right? It's like some of you guys are apostles. Now he's talking to the early church. These are the men who personally traveled with Jesus, whom he chose to lead the church. It's like Jesus chose you, right? He chose you to lead. Awesome. It's like prophets. I mean, pe- people in this day, really, if we translate prophets to people in this day and age, is people who see things with such a moral clarity or a precision of moral thoughts, they see the world very black and white. And they're outraged at injustice. Maybe you're married to one of those persons. They're kind of miserable to live with, but God made them that way, right? They're <laughs> prophets. Or if some of us are evangelists. In other words, people, you know, so you guys know some people who, like, just naturally talk to others about Jesus? I have friends like this. I pretend I'm like this. You assume I'm like it because I'm pastor, but I'm usually, like, one-on-one, very, oh, man, I just totally wither, man. i like, oh, I have friends who are like totally comfortable. They do it all the time. We can go for coffee, and they're talking to five different people about Jesus is doing in their life. And I'm just like, oh man, I'm the pastor. Oh gosh. <laughs> when I try to do it, it's like forced or coercive. You know, part of my overchurch like upbringing. Like, hey, I'm here to talk to you about Jesus today, <laughs> and I become a robot. I don't know how that happens. Some are called to be pastors. <laughs> Some folks are, are just great pastors or shepherds or, or lovers of people. They intuitively know how to take care of the flock. I mean, that's, that's the metaphor. P- particularly those in crisis or trauma. I mean, if you're hurting, you want a pastoral type to come visit you in the hospital. I mean, I automatically think, for instance, of Pastor Glenn, right? He is our pastor of spiritual care. It is like second nature to Glenn to care about hurts and wounds. It comes naturally to him. Not so much to me. <laughs> And I know that's not totally comforting to hear from the lead pastor, but it's why we have others. In fact, th- this, ex- okay, let's, you know what? I knew you were going to, I knew this. I knew this, is, <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. Let's get rid of the labels. I got an email this week from my, my, one of my sisters here in the congregation, Emily Voorhees, and she wrote this. She was here last week and she said, Tim and Mike, I filled out the volunteer card asking me where the most help is needed this week. I have a heart. For sick people. And those in physical or emotional need. I am a physician's assistant. And I'm thinking of how I may help out in that capacity. See, I used to do some sick visits for Pastor Pendela Overlock. Maybe coordinating a team for meals, visits, support to sick people and their families. Or families with new babies or other needs. Let me know, Emily. Pastor's heart. You get that? I look at this and I'm like, wait, you're a physician's assistant, so you're dealing with sick people, people with trauma, conflicts, hurts, and wounds all week. And you're like, maybe I could do it in my spare time. (laughs) What the heck? (laughs) Grace, divine enablement in Emily's heart. And we thank God for that. And we celebrate that she wants to use that to serve our church. And then Paul says that some are naturally gifted to be teachers, which is kind of more of my gig. In other words, you I mean, you know this. You, you know that when some folks, I mean, get up to teach, it's like, you know, bam, it clicks, you're inspired, it makes sense, it impacts your life. And when others get up to speak, it's like kind of, hmm, when it's going to be over. Why is that? Guess what? There's a lion in seminary. They always go, well, it's the preparation. Now, Though that is key. Most oftentimes, it's about divine enablement. So Why? Why, Paul asked, did God give each of us different abilities and strengths? Follow his logic. Look at this in verse 12. He says to pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for, let's read it together. Ready? Works of service. In other words, some people were given their unique gift to actually inspire and equip other people to use their unique gifts to serve. For instance, as the lead you know, pastor teacher tonight, tonight I am using my teaching gift to encourage you, help you see what God's design is, and actually motivate you to get in the game and use your God-given ability to serve others. And the reason you need to get in the game and and, and use your enablement for the good of others, not just for yourself or make your life easier, is because God gave that to you to link up with my divine enablement, to link up with the divine uh, uh, divine enablement of Emily Voorhees. That sounds like an awesome novel, the divine enablement of Emily Voorhees, doesn't it? Sorry, I just... Just click with me there, I don't know, write that down, that's good. So that in tandem, we can do something together that not one of us could accomplish by ourselves. I mean, there are so many examples of this rush forward to my mind as we move towards our Easter launch in just a few weeks. This past week, I was just kind of thinking about this, totally saw it all around me. God's people leveraging the unique gifts uh, for works of service. On Tuesday, it was amazing, we kind of got freaked out. We're sitting in like a staff meeting, and we're on the second floor, and up in the window pops this head. Looking around like this, we're like, whoa! You know? the 20-foot man. No, wait a minute, it's Francisco. (laughs) Francisco, you guys know from the hospitality team, Francisco is there, and, and then we see him going like this. Moves over like two inches. He's hopping on a ladder. Why? Because Mike was too chicken to seal in the windows at our office for the winter. We got a storm coming and everything. And we're like, we got to seal the windows because it was like leaking and stuff. And so he called Francisco, who has the gift of hopping on ladders. Not really. <laughs> but, but there is a sense of friend. like if, if he falls off the ladder, he's like, going to land on like all fours, you know. <laughs> Francisco's like, you call me anytime, guys. I, 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 I work right around the corner. I will come at any time and do whatever you guys need because I believe in this church. Why? Because it's not a small thing in the overall mission of what God's doing. On Wednesday, some of you might have got this. I wrote a kind of letter updating you guys about details for the Easter lunch. And I um, and, uh, wrote that on Tuesday, right? And Wednesday, we come in, and they're still sitting there, like, stacked up. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll go out Thursday. Thursday, it's still kind of sitting up there. And they're like, Wait, Laura, what's going on here? You know, you're dreaming Excel. Where's the going And she's like, um, the folding machine broke. <laughs> they're not going anywhere, And so I'm like, oh, man, okay, all right. Well, spent probably about 12 hours on the letter. Okay, guess they're going to sit here for a while. And she's like, no, they won't. (laughs) Lois Brooks and her son, Robbie, are coming in. And Lisa Hackmeister is already here. And Lisa's like, hello, I can help. (laughs) And together, literally, they spent, how long did that take? Yeah, that's polite of you, a couple hours, folding those letters by hand, putting them in envelope, putting the label on, and getting them out. And as I, I thought about that, the stack of letters that I wrote, you know, they're just sitting there in this pile, just kind of, like, what good are those words? Completely worthless communication of our vision without being able to get in the mail. And I was like, Lisa Hackmeister, Lois Brooks, and her son Robbie saved us. The mission goes on because they used their gifts. When you sign up to use your gifts and serve on Easter, here, here's, here's a bonus. First off, you're going to get free clothes. <laughs> uh, Bob, stand up. Give a little twirl around here. You've seen these t-shirts. Can you, come, on, come on, Bob. Come on. I like to embarrass your wife. You've got to see these cool, cool t-shirts, right? Where do these come from? Anyone notice this cool? You know, you've seen these t-shirts in the foyer. Where do these come from? <laughs> I can assure you I do not have these creative abilities. I want to thank Jeffrey Allen. Jeff, you want to wave to everybody? Who uses his divine enablement... In graphic design for t-shirts, it's in 2nd Habakkuk uh, over here, yeah, that, that gift, um, to enrich our church. And when you sign up to invest your divine enablement this spring as we launch out, you're actually going to be very thankful for the works of service done by people like Jeff or like Chaz Russo. Here, this, this is a mock-up, by the way, of some of the t-shirt designs we're considering for all of you who volunteered at Easter lunch. Pretty cool, right? I, I, I look at this stuff and I'm like, what? Where do these things come from? That creative endowment was entrusted to Chaz, not just so that he could go to art school or make a living, but because he's one of God's people who has been equipped for works of service to God's church. And we thank God for that. Did you get the point? Why does God give each of us a unique, one-of-a-kind of enablement? The answer, Paul says, is in verse 12 and 13. He says, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ can be built up ...until we all reach unity in the faith... ...and in the knowledge of the Son of God... ...and become mature... attaining to the whole measure... ...of the fullness of Christ. Now that is a mouthful. <laughs> Don't glaze over. Because Paul's making a profound statement of purpose here. When he says, you've been given these gifts... ...so that... ...anytime you see so that in Scripture... ...you know it's about... He's, ...they're about to give the reason behind the whole issue. He says, so that... ...the body of Christ can be built up... ...and you can become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And some of you are like, so what? (laughs) I don't even know quite what that means, the fullness of Christ. What's that all about? Paul is referring to something here that the early church understood firsthand. See, when Jesus was with them, walking the earth with the disciples, using his divine gifts to show others what the Father was like, everyone understood Jesus was God in a body. And the fullness of God was in Jesus. I mean, you look at Jesus, you're looking at God. His hands were God's hands. His feet were God's feet. His words were, 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 were his, they were the Father's words. But after Jesus died and was resurrected, he told his disciples, See ya. I'm leaving. I'm going back to heaven to be with my Father, and, and you're going to stay here. And they were all like heartbroken. They're like, What are we going to do now? God? But Jesus told them a secret. He goes, No, no, no don't worry. The Spirit. That resides in me is now going to reside in you guys corporately. My, in other words, my ability to teach, to give, to, to I'm going to give that to some of you. My ability to show mercy, I am going to give to others. My ability to, um, you've seen me heal and care for other people. I'm going to give that gift to other people here. I'm going to disperse my gifts among my followers. And none of you, none of you are going to be just like me. You're not that good, <laughs> but. But when you come together corporately, and you use those gifts that I'm about to give you in tandem, it will be the closest that anyone ever comes to experiencing the fullness of Christ or God in a body. And that's God's plan. He sent his son Jesus, who was God in a body. But now, now that Jesus has been resurrected and returned to heaven, the church of Christ is now corporately God in a body this track with me the best thing you can offer to the world is not your individuality it's not your singular talent the best thing you can offer to a lost and dying world that is desperate for a taste of the living God is to invest your divine enablement alongside the gift of others in a local church so that together we become God in a body and make his presence visible to all who enter our midst. What? I know. I'm like, what? So that the whole thing is so much greater than the sum of the parts. And when we come together and invest our talents, something supernatural happens. Because remember then Jesus promised, he was like, lean in. When two or three of you gather in my name, there am I in the midst of you. And you might say, "Well, well, wait a minute. Faith is a private thing, right? Can I just be with Jesus alone? No, 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 no. Paul's saying, not in the same way that happens. When you invest your time and your talents in tandem with other believers to make the presence of Jesus, or the, what's Paul's phrase here, the fullness of Christ visible in this world. That's one of the reasons Jesus had to leave. And that's what Paul's getting at. When we come together together, With the gifts Christ gave us and we use them together, God is made visible in a way that could never happen if you stay individuals. If you stay lone rangers, it just can't happen. But when each individual uses their gift in the context of the body, something incredible happens. You want a dirty little secret? Of course you do. (laughs) If you search through the New Testament, there is not much said... About individual approaches to personal evangelism. That's a modern idea. That each of us goes out on our own, and it is up to you, Matthew Wiley, to convince people individually of God's truth and of his presence. Now, don't hear me wrong on this, I'm overemphasizing it. It's vital. I mean, you guys know that. That's the pulse of our church, that we reach out to friends and neighbors and coworkers with the love of God, and we tell them there is something more than just eating and drinking and working and paying taxes and dying. We got hope. That is to be aggressively shared. But if you take time, and you read through the New Testament, you're going to discover the focus of the New Testament is on the body together, using their gifts in tandem to create This environment so that when unbelievers and skeptics come into the presence of the church, there's this sense of like, whoa, man. Whoa, there is something going on here. There's something unique going on here because all these different people with all these different abilities and talents and backgrounds, all of them are like, they're like on mission together. In flowing and creating something compelling and beautiful. And you know, I don't even know if I believe all that they do, but I man, I enjoy my time when I'm around them and I want to hear what they have to say because my life gets better. And that's our goal as a church. As we launch out on Eastern Morristown, to create this like force field that is so powerful and so compelling, so one of a kind and gracious and hospitable and safe and welcoming, that when our body acts like God's body, it is the closest people will actually get on this earth to being in the presence of Jesus himself. Boom. Does that seem overstated? Let that bake your potato for just a minute. It was God who gave that divine enablement to you to prepare you for our works of service so that his whole body could be built up to reach unity in the faith, to become actually mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Do you get this, folks? We are individually gifted, but we are corporately commissioned. And for those of you who have yet to believe, eternity hangs in the balance of our ability to get this right. This is an email from first-time guest a few weeks ago to Liquid. She wrote Glenn and described her experience. She said, I just have one word to describe my feelings regarding Liquid. Peace. I found a lot of peace at your church before I discovered Liquid, my life was so empty. I, I went one day for curiosity. I was talking to one of my friends, and he talked to me about the new series at Liquid and invited me to church. There's evangelism, invest and invite. But now look what she says. This is great. We get this all the time. Whoa. Something incredible happened. When I went inside of the church, as soon as the music started, something changed inside of me. David Bancroft is hypnotic. No. No. <laughs> For the first time, I was listening to the words. I don't even know how to explain it. I'm not a good writer. I just want to say thank you. There is a reason why people like Margie, who God is already at work in drawing to himself, steps inside this church and gets overwhelmed. We get people say, they go, I don't even know what it is. I, like, I can't even make it. I just start crying. We get that from people each week. They find themselves crying or like unusually stirred you know, in like a good way. And they are right to thank me. And it's like that's what they don't know is that they are being impacted not because of any one message or because the music was so powerful. But because collectively our church is embodying the presence of Jesus himself as each of you steps up to the plate and gets in the game to use our gifts together and reflect his power and his glory. That's why they're touched. And that's what we're going to do like never before on April 8th in Morristown. On April 8th, our special guest for the kickoff is Jesus. He will be there because his gifts will be on display in the strategic service of his people. And lives are going to be impacted, and the kingdom of God is going to advance. And the world is going to be changed for just a few hours as it's never been changed before. And this, you have a chance to be part of it. You have a chance to be part of it. I do too. On the way out last week, one of you grabbed me by the arm by the back door and said, hey, come, come here. She goes, I am so excited about what's going to happen. She goes, I, I couldn't like visualize Morristown before tonight, but now I can. But you know what's got me most excited? I was like, no, why? She's like, not just that God's going to change people in that hotel, but how God's going to change us. And it hit me. I was like, yes. If we're not increasingly changed by what we do here together, corporately as a body, then what are we doing? Because if we're being the body as Christ intended and God outlined here in Ephesians, then guess what? You're automatically going to go grow. That is the result of investing your time and your talents in tandem with others to make God visible. Look at it. That's actually how Paul ends the passage. You want to just end it here real quick? Look at this. He links our serving in the local church to spiritual maturity. Look at this in verses 16, 14 and 16. He says, this is the direct catalyst of spiritual growth and depth. Look what he says. Then, once you do this, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we, there's the corporate, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In other words, when you engage your gift with other people at this church, you individually will grow up alongside those around you. And the converse is true. Lone Ranger's. Doesn't matter how many Bible studies you do. I don't care if you have coffee with Beth Moore every day. (laughs) Doesn't matter how much Christian radio you listen to or sermon podcasts while you're working out. Your individual spiritual growth as a Christian will be stunted if you're not engaging your gifts in tandem in this community with other believers. It's not about simply attending a service. It is your service, period. In fact, your individual maturity hinges on your corporate service. If you think about it, it's like the degree to which you're willing to use your gifts in our church alongside others, it's going to determine the depth of growth that you experience in the year to come. It doesn't really matter what the context is. I mean, this could be handing out bulletins. You will grow. (laughs) It could be helping set up our stage and our lighting and video system. You will grow. It could be working with kids. In the preschool environment with my son, Dell, you will groan. (laughs) Grow, sorry. In fact, that's the main area that we actually need your help in. That's not going to be a surprise to you, right? (laughs) I mean, we got a wonderful kids' program at our 4 o'clock service. Many of you are benefiting from it right now. (laughs) But we're going to be doubling our need when we open a new program at our 10.30 a.m. service on April 8th. And we need folks to get in the game because lives are in the balance Because that's how God's ordained it. And because that's how some of you are going to grow, actually, in a new way this year. Growth takes sacrifice. I mean, every adult here knows that, right? And perhaps there will be... This may be an area that God's inviting you to sacrifice in. You've been coming to the 4 o'clock service all along. That is awesome. That is awesome. But maybe for the next three months, as we get this launch off the ground, you would be willing to actually come in the morning to serve and return in the evening to be served. Or vice versa. I know, it's a full Sunday. I know your life is overloaded. Me too. It's another commitment. But this is different. It's not like all the other things in your life vying for you the time. You have been divinely enabled and specifically saved to serve in a unique capacity in this body. In fact, I'll ask that at the end of each row, you guys pass down those strategic service uh, brochures. We gave them out last week. Would you pass them down, Rocco, on the far ends? Just make sure everyone gets one here. It was so awesome last week. We had 200 people sign up and said, count on me. I will serve. I will help get this rocket ship off at launch. This is great, but we need more. (laughs) And I want you to just get a second chance to sign up. This has a list of our specific needs going into our uh, Easter launch there. Can I get one of those, Tara? Can I just kind of... Thanks, man. Thank you. If you take a look at this... By the way, if you already filled this out, if you filled this out last week, great. Awesome. You don't need to do it again. You're on board. I emailed you this week thanking you. You're going to receive an update in the coming week with more details. Your specific team assignment. That's, so you have already been contacted. That's great. Promise number two. You will be trained. But now hear this. Hear this before you go looking like, where can I serve? If you sign up, you are not signed up for life. <laughs> we are asking for a commitment of three months. Just to gain stability. April, May, and June. And then reevaluate. You reshuffle your role. You're not locked in for life. But I should warn you. Some of you who sign up and serve for the first time over the next three months, you will want to stay because you will fall in love with the group of people that God has put you with. You will will realize that you found your niche. And you will grow more there than maybe any other environment. Because God called you and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like my calling. He equipped you to work with another group of talented people to do in tandem that you're like, I could never have done this by myself. Take a look at the kind of examples of what we need. And we've, uh, I love the first Peter verse here. Each one should use whatever grace, his, your gift, he's received to serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in his various forms. And, you know, maybe you're saying, hey, I'm already serving, by the way. Just check that box and say, I'm already uh, on the hospitality team and I really love it. Great, awesome. But look at some of these other things here. We're going to need, obviously, triple the amount of greeters, people who know how to make people feel welcome. But maybe you're like, here's one thing I can tell you. I don't really do well. I I got that, like, Mark in kindergarten doesn't play well with others. Um, They annoy me. Sign up to come do some heavy lifting. Because heaven knows we need some muscle men and women here on Sunday mornings. Or maybe that you want to play with the gadgets on the tech team. Or maybe you are going to be someone who, you know, info or media table, that you just 15 minutes before the service and after, you're like, I'll be here to answer questions, because I know new people are going to come in, and I got good teeth. I could smile. I could do that. Or maybe you want to serve on stage. I'll actually talk about that in a minute. Two areas of special emphasis real quickly. Kids, obviously, I mentioned that. I mean, I got a letter. This tells you all you need to know if you want to consider serving with the children. This is a letter from a mom. She said, I'm the mother of a two and a half year old, and she loves little K. That's our kindergarten environment. She's actually napping right now, and she sets her Jesus papers, as she calls them, on the pillow next to her while she sleeps. That's the bulletin that people print out and fold and give to the kids. Her Jesus papers. She has a pile of four going, and she wants us to read her one again every day. Now look what she says. To hear your little girl recite Bible verses with hand motions, verbatim, is quite touching. Thank you. By the way, she loves her teacher, Miss Sarah. Someone is making an eternal investment that will never, ever go unnoticed or unrewarded by our God because of this little girl, in this little girl's life. You see it? And I know, it's hard. Some of you who are moms, oh, you've got young kids. I know, it's hard. But this is a letter we got from a volunteer, by the way. I thought this was so telling. She said, I want all of you to know that teaching at Liquid Kids is a blast. Yeah, I'm a busy mom, yeah. But we all are. Teaching God's most basic lessons each week to a group of two- and three-year-olds is its own reward, though. Learning about sharing, caring, and God's unconditional love in the most simple, basic way is just so refreshing. The truth is just there. It's not clouded by theology, religion, or doubt. Sometimes I feel selfish, as if I get more of a lesson than they do. How much experience do you need working with kids? Zero. Now, and some of you are like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get my kid right now. (laughs) Who's got that? We do background checks on every one of them. That's guaranteed. Any person who comes in contact with children, automatic FBI background check. We do that. We pay for it. Through knows it's safety is the number one thing. But how much would it take for you to say, I'll give an hour a week to fold the children's bulletins. Or I'll come 20 minutes early to help check them in and write their names on a, on a tag and check them in. Or I would love to sing, and I haven't been part of the worship team, but maybe I could sing at the children." Because they have live worship too. Because that happens. So speaking of worship, I'm going to invite David Bancroft up. Glenn, do you have the, uh, the Helen held mic there real quickly? Some of you also have musical gifts. And as I mentioned last week, um, we need to expand the worship team. How many of you like the worship? You get applause for that? <laughs> David's going to be totally humble. But that opening song that we opened with, that was a David Bancroft original. Is that true? Yeah. That was your own stuff. Um, but we're expanding that and we're opening that up in fact we have auditions next Saturday and David can you just tell me real quickly what you're, I assume you're looking for um, people like who like are like American
1: Idol that could be me is that who you're looking for? <laughs> Not exactly okay. uh, but um, yeah we really need people that are obviously musically gifted and also able to make a commitment a significant commitment um, you probably see the re- the same people up here on a regular basis and as we're expanding now and adding a service it's going to get very taxing on, on the team and we just really need to bring more people on board and not, not only that we just really want to expand, expand the worship ministry and get more and more people involved and it's just an increase in the area of serving for people who are uh, now what's the well, application well,
0: process because I noticed you have like applications yep. actually for this kind of stuff
1: and um, we have a pretty uh it's a, it's it's somewhat lengthy, but you know it kind of goes along with the background check thing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, By the way, um, we didn't coordinate this, so yeah. it's one. I thought you were wearing the brown shoes. Black and white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna get See, this from actually, David. I'd say you funny. can pick this up from myself uh, at the stage area after the service, and um, I'm gonna require next week is the auditions, um, and. You really need to have filled out the application by the audition time. It's uh, next Saturday from 10 a.m., and uh, there's going to be a sign-up sheet up here as well for, for time slots, and then I'll be giving you an information sheet which tells you everything you need to know about coming to the audition. So next week we will have, uh, you will be there, Paul Abdul.
0: Uh, Randy, has Simon Simon Krul is coming. Too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So see David Bancroft afterwards. If you have a musical gift or you have a voice or a talent to lend, that would be great. David, you'll be up here afterwards. Yep. Thank David. Um, Stuff, buddy. Thanks, man. Um, You should know, however you you sign up, you're going to get a T-shirt no matter what you do. Uh, Even if, like, you clean up in the restrooms, that's great. You're going to get a T-shirt. But I want to tell you this. Um, Tonight, consider... This is really the last time we're inviting people. We're going to do this for two weeks. We did it last week. we had 200 people sign up. We're like, "If we have 900 people, we need about 400 people <laughs> to serve them." <laughs> Almost double. It's going to be something, folks. I fill this out and put it in the offering basket in just a few minutes. If you did it last week, no need to do it again. You got you signed up. But it's going to be something, folks. When we make that move in five Sundays from now, can, I, can you feel, can you sense the excitement? Your strength is needed. This is not about guilt or duty. This is about growth. It's about using your gifts alongside others. And it doesn't really matter if you're new to our body or if you've only been coming a few weeks, we need you. In fact, let me just say that if you are new, I believe that God, honestly, I do believe this, that God has brought some of you who are new and currently sitting on the sidelines in a divine way. Like he has divinely appointed your arrival to this church to coincide with our Easter launch and that he's gonna use your unique gifts To lead our community into this new chapter in our life together. So you sign up too. Even even if you're a new Christian. Even if you are like totally new to this Christian thing. That's something someone mentioned to me the other week. They were like, well, you know, I'd love to do something. But like, I'm I'm like a new believer. Maybe that's you. You're like, dude, I'm still looking for Ephesians. Um." (laughs) You're new to the whole church thing. But you're following along and you're wondering, am I qualified to like lead in your church? Here's the deal, folks. Maturity doesn't qualify you to actually function in the body. Giftedness and calling qualify you. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And on God's behalf, I'm calling you to action tonight, to get in the game and use the gifts your God gave you. Because we are the body. Individually gifted, but corporately commissioned. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your design for our church, Lord. You gave us some blueprints to work off of. Um, And our church isn't the work of a few spiritual superstars or, or people with outsized talents. Lord, it's every person here functioning together rhythmically, Lord, to make your face known in this very lost and desperate world. Lord, we want to pray already for the people who you're going to bring to Morristown that don't even know right now that you have arranged to impact them. Lord, we pray for them that you'd stir the soil of their hearts, Lord. But now, please give us workers here who are ready to plant seeds. I ask that you'll use the talents and gifts of every man, woman, teenager, Lord, even some of the children who serve. And I pray that you're just going to multiply it. Just multiply it and go way beyond anything we could imagine, Lord. And you're going to get glory for it because it's you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.